as a CISO, you should really try to establish some direct relationships with colleges, right? It's a good pipeline of students that are coming through. They're going to be the next generation of cyber uh, security professionals. It's good to know those names, right? It's good to know those skill sets. And along the way, when you establish those relationships at universities, right, those professors will, will might reach out to you or when you reach out to the professors and be like, hey, I got a really top talent here. I think you should take a look. This is a Security Weekly production. Security Weekly is a resource of Cyber Risk Alliance. The Cybersecurity Collaborative is proud to present CISO Stories. Each week, CISO Stories takes a deep dive on security leadership with one of the contributors to my latest book, the best-selling CISO Compass Navigating Cybersecurity Leadership Challenges with Insights from Pioneers, as well as other top CISOs and industry security leaders. The Cybersecurity Collaborative is a unique membership community enabling cybersecurity leaders to work together in a trusted environment. To learn more, visit securityweekly.com CSC or visit cyberleadersunite.com. I am your host, Todd Fitzgerald, and this week we welcome Fred Kwong, VP and CISO at DeBry University. Hey, Todd, thanks for having me. It's, you know, it's kind of an interesting start for me. I, I kind of grew up in IT, so I started working in IT on the help desk, and I eventually moved into the networking team. And when I was at a networking, working on the networking team, I worked on a little bit of the firewalls a bit. and. Uh, you know, knew about the IPS systems and at the organization I was with at the time, there was an opening in security. And I, and I felt like I was a little burned out from doing networking for, you know, uh, six, seven years at that point. And when that opening came up, the the security guys actually approached me be like, hey, would you be interested in jumping over to the security team? And I was like, well, that sounds intriguing and fantastic. I could just learn something new and, and do something a little bit different at, at the company that I appreciated. So I took that opportunity and I really first started off doing project management kind of work for the security team and then ultimately learned the technical chops along with what I needed uh, from the security team perspective. And so that's kind of how my foray into security kind of started. Well, you said really two great skill sets I heard in there. One is I, I, I see the help desk is just such a, a great training ground for, for IT people. And then the second piece, the, the skill that seems to be missing a lot in organizations in the, on the IT side is good project management skills. Yeah, you know, I feel very fortunate, right, from a career path perspective. To your point, Todd, the, the help desk, right, because you have to know a little bit about everything, right? You're supporting, at the time, you know, I was supporting, a, you know, 10,000 plus employee organization. And we had, I don't know, probably 50, 60 some applications we supported at the help desk, at least at some level. And so I got to learn a little bit about everything the organization did just based off of the technologies they used. And so that gave me a good base of like data, right? In terms of just what do I need to do, uh, how to communicate with people, how to resolve things as quickly as possible. 
I didn't, you know, quite honestly, then from there, when I moved into networking, I, di- I didn't have a network background. The network manager, you know, took a chance on me and really let me be kind of a cable monkey guy to begin with. Right. And so, you know, I was doing the, the cord patching and all those things while learning the technology. So being of help, learning the technologies. And, and I think, you know, anytime you're in, you're in, IT and information security, very specifically, it's good to learn different aspects of IT because, you know, as security professionals, we also have to know a little bit about everything when it comes down to it and how applications work, how networks work, uh, different OSs, whether it's Windows and Linux. So I, I was very fortunate in my career to be able to kind of sign up for all of the above, right, um, before I really dove deep into security. I remember once when I I was I had taken a new job and I was responsible for business intelligence, uh, database administration, and security. And my background was primarily database administration, data modeling. And so I was running the security department. And one of the security analysts was telling me one of the pieces of advice they were given was to learn about the infrastructure. Um, you know, before you can be a really good security analyst, you really need to, to know that infrastructure. So, uh, you know, it, it sounds like, you know, you were, you were right in that, in that same camp. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny in the old days, right? We would always, there were two sides of the coin when it came to IT. There was the ISP, right? The infrastructure side and the ASP, the application side, right? And, and we'd always draw the boxes where, you know, hey, here's all the network and the components associated with it. And then uh, here's the black hole for the application side, right? And then it's vice versa for the other applications guide, right? They, they are, here's all the code that we put in. And then uh, here's how it works with the infrastructure. And again, it's just a big black box, right? Um, and I, I think as part of security, we, we learn to be that translation component of those two things as well, right? Because we need to know how the code works and how the infrastructure works together. <laughs> so a lot of times, I think, even when it comes to troubleshooting, uh, you know, security usually often gets called in. Uh, one, because our technologies kind of sit in the middle, but two, we also often act as that translation arm, right? Or that middleware component uh, to bridge those two teams. And, uh, you know, now with the cloud and um, doing Terraform scripts and, you know, uh, infrastructure as code that's changed quite a bit. But uh, back in the old days, um, you know, I, I think that was kind of part of my learning curve was to really learn both sides of the house. Sure. So so you have been um, the CISO for DeVry University. And so you're you're working with students, uh, you know, in your organization uh, every day. And, and we have this uh, huge talent shortage out there. I think I remember seeing not too long ago that, that, that is, it is the number one, um, job growth area of all U.S. occupations, uh, until 2030. Uh, it has the highest growth rate. And so we have this skill shortage. So we want to talk today about how do CISOs tap into universities and, and not just your university in particular, but, you know, just universities in general. And, and how should we be, you know, how should we be leveraging, um, you know, this talent resource? So, you know, start us off with that. You know, how, how can, you know, CISOs uh, start to, to work in that, in, in that environment to expand their skill set? 
The university is pretty unique, right, in the way they're kind of set up and configured. And, and so it's really important to spend some time and reach out to the folks at your, called your local universities, right, or where you're trying to target um, new employees to start. I think that's a good place. A lot of times when universities are building out their programs, you know, the folks come from all over in the U.S., but the reality is, a lot of times, a lot of the students get used to the environment they're in and, you know, like the town that they're in. And so they'll look for jobs in those types of areas, or they might look to go back home, right? Depending. So I would pick out and kind of target, well, what universities have good cyber programs to begin with, right? And there's a lot of different rating systems out there. So, you know, choose your own adventure when it comes to looking at those programs. But I think there's a couple of key things I can kind of point out. The first one is just understanding what is it that that university offers? Um, you know, do they have a uh, boot camp, right? When it comes to cyber, uh, is it a certificate program? Do they have a two-year program, an associate's program or a four-year? And then above and beyond that, do they offer a master's program? And again, depending on the skill set that you're looking for and the type of person you're trying to recruit, um, that may make a difference in terms of the different avenues that the university and what they cater to or who they cater to, right, when it comes to their students. Another way to kind of think about it as well is, you know, Todd, you mentioned, I mean, the skill shortage is pretty high. I know the number that I've been thrown around is around 700,000 openings in cyber today. And so while we can tap into universities um, and find out like who's the next generation coming up through the skills and to, you know, move into cyber programs, uh, a lot of times, a lot of organizations are also looking internally, right? So they're trying to reskill some of existing folks, maybe you're taking a auditor and turning them into a cyber GRC professional, right? Or you're taking a Windows or Unix or network person and having them learn a little bit more about cyber. And so there's programs out there that will help those um, folks that already have professional skills to reskill or upskill themselves into the cyber world, right? Um, so every college does that a little bit different. Every university does that a little bit different. And so it's important to kind of think through what am I trying to accomplish? Am I looking for new, new talent? Am I looking to reskill my folks? And so the different colleges will have different uh, advantages uh, in terms of the folks that we're trying to go after. Are, are there different programs that, you know, the target like a, a reskilling of a certain skill set versus the entry level in the university programs? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of the certificate or boot camps might be more geared towards uh, reskilling or upskilling uh, to, your, to that point. But the four-year programs are usually aimed more towards a traditional uh, four-year student, right? Um, but the universities themselves, depending on what you're trying to do when you're coming to upskill or reskill, may offer more services for those types of students as well. A uh, little bit more uh, ability for you to shift, right, in terms of when they offer classes, right? Because they know, hey, if you're a reskilling person, you know, we may need to offer more classes on the nights and weekends, right? Or, um, 
some some self-trained courses where you meet once a week and then you work uh, and then you meet again right so they have different programs based off of um, the needs of those students right Um, and the professors knowing that if you're a professional they may have more leniency towards um, you know when uh, homework is due and, and when you can take exams and those types of things, right? So certain universities cater to that a little bit more. Others may be a little bit more strict in the terms of their regimen, right? And what they want their students to, to be and when they need to come on campus, right? Those types of things. Mm-hmm. The article this podcast is based upon can be viewed in the best-selling cybersecurity leadership book, CISO Compass, Navigating Cybersecurity Leadership Challenges with Insights from Pioneers. So how, how do we differentiate between the different programs that we have, the associate's degree, the bachelor's degree, the certificate or, or the master's degree, in terms of what what we need for different jobs in in cyber? Yeah, that's a great question, Todd. And I, the way to look at it is look at the different tracks uh, that the university offers. And, and the best way to do that I would say two things. Number one is reach out to the dean of the, you know, the where the cyber program is and, you know, work with him and talk with him about, hey, tell me about, you know, to your point, what is what is in your associate's program? What is the expectation of that program? Who are you going after, right, from a target audience perspective? And compare that to their four-year program and their um, certificate programs. And a lot of times there's also flexibilities in, in terms of each of those programs because, you know, some schools might not offer a two-year, they only offer a four-year, but what they'll do is they'll give credits to you towards that four-year degree uh, based off of work or education experience, right? So if you're coming on board and you're a strong network uh, engineer already, you know, you can bypass some of those networking 101 type of classes, right? And go straight to the more advanced courses, right? And um, other universities may not let you do that, right? They might be like, hey, you know what? Uh, we need you to take X amount of hours with our university. And in order for us to certify you or to give you a degree, we want you to take all our classes, right? So depending again on that university and who they're trying to cater to, it may or may not go well from that perspective. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I would definitely recommend is if you get a chance, um, ask about seeing if you can audit a class, right? To get a good feel of the professor, you know, who's teaching the course, how they're teaching it. You know, are they more a scholar-based uh, uh, professor or are they a practitioner, right? Or a, a hybrid of the both. And I think that's important as well. Um, there are certain universities that are definitely going to be geared towards more research uh, base. And other universities are going to be more technical focused, right? What does the enterprise need today? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, depending on the organization you work with, uh, one fit might be better than the other, uh, depending. And so, you know, the research-based universities, they have a lot of funding, uh, which is fantastic to, you know, build upon, you know, call it next generation encryption or um, new AI algorithms that are going to help us, right, from a security perspective. Um, but they might not focus more on the practical skills that you may need on a day-to-day job. But if you're trying to advance some of those pieces, let's say, um, you know, your organization is interested in understanding how to take uh make use of 
um, you know, some of the newer technologies out there and how you can code new ML or um, AI algorithms, maybe that is more geared towards what you're trying to upskill your people to do, right? On the other hand, or on the flip side, if you're looking for someone that is, you know, maybe uh, more focused, you need more SOC analysts, or maybe you need a security or cloud engineer. You know, there might be other programs that are going to be more focused on aligning with what uh, AWS and Azure are teaching from a cloud compute perspective and can offer things not only with their classes, but also or offer those certifications that kind of go along with it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know that the offerings can be so different. I, I teach, for example, for Northwestern University, and it's for the master's in IT program. And I teach a cybersecurity leadership course and a risk management course, but and that's more geared at people that want that management layer, the CIO layer, the CISO layer, the chief technical officer layer that are, they're going to that university. And we were doing some research across the university and saw that there are all these cybersecurity courses in different places, <laughs> not not all not all in the same place. Some may be in engineering, some may be in the business school. Uh, in in all kinds of different places. So as we're looking at 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 people that we're trying to you know bring into the workforce that it's their first cybersecurity job, and we say, hey, we have these seven hundred thousand openings. We want you to get a job. What do you think is like the best path for somebody that that says, hey, I want to go to school and I want to get a certificate, a degree, something. And I want to get a job when I'm out. What would, where should they be starting off at? You know, that's a great question, Todd. When I think about, you know, kind of how my own career, I, I almost feel like if cyber is your passion, right? And you can find a job in information technology, whatever that job is, take that job to begin with, right? Whether it's at the help desk, maybe it's doing desktop support and you can use your cyber energy in those jobs very easily, right? And that does two things for you. One, again, I think starting out in cyber is hard in general, right? Because when you're when you're in cyber, you really do need to know a little bit about everything. Um, and having that work experience, I mean, nothing really beats that, right? So if you've done desktop support for a while, if you've done help desk support for a while, you understand a little bit more about how Windows servers are set up, how to manage users, how to harden desktops, right? How to work with AV and EDR software potentially. And you can expand upon those. Or even if you even get into networking, you know, maybe, a, you know, again, kind of like I did, you know, I started out as kind of a cable guy, right? Just patching cables. And you learn about route switch, you learn about the networking protocols, and then you ease your way into, you know, learning a deep dive into some of those technologies, but then you gain more of a breath around security, that that puts you in a good position to be a good security person from a technical aspect uh, right off the bat, because you can bring something to the table that maybe some of your security peers might not. So for example, you know, if someone that grew up in the Unix world um, and then also became a, a security engineer or security analyst, you know, they're gonna, it's really cool that they're strong in 
looking at Linux systems. And there's a lot of security that goes around hardening those types of systems and using tools in the Linux world for security. And, you know, if you have a peer that's more of a Windows guy, now your, your skill sets complement one another, right? And there's always going to be teams looking for those, you know, how do we fill gaps in terms of our security team that will help us make us better as an overall team, right? So get in wherever you can and then continue to build the skill set through either on the job or, you know, reskilling or upskilling through university courses. Um, and then, of course, there's online teaching as well, right? I think we've all heard of things like uh, Udemy or Linux Academy and, and, you know, those types of programs. If, um, you know, if you're able to learn through that one-way communication and, and do that well, they have good labs oftentimes associated with that. And you can do a lot of self-paced learning. It's good to do that as, as a little bit of a hobby or maybe on your off time and continue to kind of upskill yourself because you're not going to learn everything on the job. I think there's too much to do in security to know everything um, and do that while you're working, right? So you're going to have to take some time and, you know, play with it a little bit when, in your own time frame at home, um, you know, maybe when after you put the kids to bed or whatever the case may be. And, and that's, I, I, you know, I, I know, Todd, you're you're a fan of always constantly learning. And I, I think the same way, right? Whether you pick up a book and learn or watch a YouTube video or take some online courses, you know, any way that you can continue your knowledge base, because security is ever evolving, it's ever changing. And if that's not the pace that you like, then it's probably not the job for you. Right. Um, I, I think yeah. with security, you're, you're, you're learning till the very end. <laughs> Definitely. So, so what do you think about CISOs, you know, when we're looking for talent, should we be, you know, there's been some discussion about, should we still be requiring bachelor's degrees for people coming into security or should we be looking, you know, is a, is a security, Certificate enough is a is a associate's degree the bottom line. I mean, where, where is it that that we should be recruiting for our cybersecurity teams? Yeah, I would say you know the bachelor's is a requirement. Um, I I don't know if I necessarily will always a hundred percent agree with that. I think it's a plus to have one um, just because, you know, someone that's gained a, a bachelor's means that they've put in some work, right? They've put in some sweat equity in, in terms of learning the courses, and especially some of the more technical focused uh, schools where they have hands-on training. That means that they have four years of experience working with technologies, learning the different skills that they need in the security realm, which is a good thing. But is that the only way to learn? Absolutely not, right? Because there's so much on the internet today. There's so much in terms of book knowledge. And I don't think there's any one way that um, any one person learns, right? Some people, they learn and they can pick up a book, absorb it and be good. Other people need that, you know, face-to-face -face interaction with a professor or teacher so they can ask questions and they learn better that way. So, you know, we shouldn't, dictate who we hire based off of the best way that they learn right so, uh, so how do we make ones how, how do we make that assessment that they've that they've learned enough that that they could add value to our to my team yeah so there's a couple ways you know if you want to call it testing of those individuals you know there's obviously the traditional um interview process you know asking kind of technical questions um 
but there's also technologies out there that can help us, right? There's things like cyber ranges that companies can um, sign up for and run their uh, applicants through it, right? And see how they do in terms of real world scenarios uh, around, you know, how do you handle this problem? How do you do that critical thinking, right? When it comes to observing or, and do you have, understand the right commands and have the right skills to run right uh, to get past this this hurdle in the cyber range right that's another way that people can do it um, looking at things like certifications I, I think definitely uh, is another way to kind of uh, understand if they have the aptitude to learn so even if they don't have the right skill sets if they've been able to get a you know a certificate or associate's um, or a certification, you know, that also proves, hey, this person is interested in this. They took the time to learn these things and they went out and proved that they can, uh, you know, continue to learn, right, through gaining knowledge. And I think that's important. Uh, Fred, this has been uh, great. And I, I think, it, you know, this is this is such a, a resource and, a, and a, a place that CISOs need to tap into rather than just looking at the experienced job market to bring people into their organizations uh, and, and develop them. Hey, any uh, other advice that you would give us as, as we leave here uh, for current CISOs, experienced CISOs, emerging CISOs, um, as they're going down this journey and trying to get the best talent into their organizations? Yeah, I'll bring up three three final thoughts, uh, Todd. Uh, the first one is, uh, as a CISO, you should really try to establish some direct relationships with colleges, right? It's a good pipeline of students that are coming through. They're going to be the next generation of cyber uh, security professionals. It's good to know those names, right? It's good to know those skill sets. And along the way, when you establish those relationships at universities, right, those professors will, will might reach out to you or when you reach out to the professors and be like, hey, I got a really top talent here. I think you should take a look, right? Because those professors know a lot of the professors are scholar practitioners, right? They're not just teachers. They also, you know, have uh, or have a cyber job as well. So, you know, they can give you a little bit of a heads up, right, as, as the talent comes through the university. Uh, the second thing that I'll mention is, you know, if you're looking for talent, you know, go where the college students are, right? It could be um, associations that are, you know, uh, geared towards students in cybersecurity. It could be sponsoring an event. Um, you know, food always brings students to events, you know, free food. You know, if you get your name out there, they'll remember you as when they think about, you know, places they want to work as well, right? Because they'll remember, oh, yeah, you know, hey, Todd sponsored this, you know, sounds like he was a great guy. I'd be interested in learning a little bit more about his company because it is a relationship at the end of the day, right? And you're, you're, you're doing a little bit of courting part of the dating process, right? And I think the last thing I'll mention is, you know, don't forget about the uh, underrepresented communities, right? There's because there's such a huge gap here. And a lot of organizations, you know, um, are starting to focus more on diversity, equity, inclusion. This is a great opportunity for you to be a leader in that space by bringing in talent that fits that uh, that mold, right, of serving those underrepresented communities. And a lot of universities take on that challenge as well. So if you tap into that talent pool where they're addressing those underserved, underrepresented communities, right, your team will get stronger. You'll bring more diversity into your team. 
um, and you'll help your organization, you know, meet their goals. Cause a lot of organizations now are really trying to push forward with their DEI type of uh, uh, programs. So I, I think that's a good way to kind of think about it as well. Yeah, I think that's very important. And we've had several uh, podcasts on about the diversity and, and inclusion, a, a whole topic uh, all by itself. I, I know at the Cybers Collab- Collaborative, uh, we looked at our board a couple of years ago and said, well, it's not very diverse. <laughs> it was primarily male and we had one female. And so now we, you know, we are 50% uh, gender ethnic. Um, represented, uh, even though the industry at the top is not represented that way, uh, we thought it was important to lead out. Uh, if we're going to recruit people into this field, we need to have the top, uh, you know, the top of our organizations look like that as well, um, so that people can see that, you know, th- this is what we're about. And I think once you have that talent pool, right, and when people come to interview at your organization and they see like, Hey, look at this diverse group of people that I'll get you work with. Right. Um, and you know, that helps them not only see themselves in, in that organization, but then inside the field, they understand, wow, you know, if, you know, because it's so diverse, I mean, I know I can make it here as well because, you know, I'm, I'm one of those, underrepresented community folks and i see those folks that look like me and you know it's uh, i think it will give you the leg up right when it comes to recruiting that top talent as well yeah well thanks a lot fred i i know this skill shortage is a is a big problem that we have and getting the right skills and thanks for the work that that you're doing to help uh bring more students uh you know in into this field uh, and to help encourage people to adopt this as a career path, because I think it's a, a wonderful career path. So thank yeah, you. thanks so much for the time, Todd. Thank you. Visit more CISO Stories podcasts on securityweekly.com, where you will find an index to prior episodes. The Cybersecurity Collaborative is a unique membership community enabling cybersecurity leaders to work together in a trusted environment. To learn more, visit securityweekly.com slash CSC or visit cyberleadersunite.com.